Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, we are talking spring football recap today. And, you know, a new addition to the roster through the transfer portal. Steve Sarkeesian and the gang continuing to... Look for gold in the transfer portal. How are you doing? I am doing well, Chip. We've got a lot to get to. We have some Horns 24-7 member comments and questions that we're going to be getting to also. But yeah, no shortage of information going to be going on here on the flagship podcast. And I've been a little, just as a warning for everyone, I've been a little under the weather for the last few days. So if my camera just turns off randomly, just roll with it we just don't ask questions if you don't want to know but <laughs> how are you doing i'll just i'll just start talking more <laughs> yeah uh, as if, if I, that's possible just kidding <laughs> that's possible um but taylor obviously this is our first uh flagship podcast since the end of spring football the spring game on saturday so we'll we'll give you our thoughts on that and you know i think one of my big takeaways from the spring game was Malik Murphy. You know, we come in, we come into the spring and Quinn Ewers is, we've written about this extensively at Horns 24 seven. He's, you know, re kind of remade himself and recommitted himself to, you know, cleaning up his footwork and his technique. And he not only cut his hair and his beard, but he, you know, changed his diet and, uh, and then, you know, he, he says on Saturday that he felt like he let most of the fans down uh, and is taking steps to make sure that never happens again. We knew Quinn Ewers was the guy going into the, to the spring game, um, but we were waiting to see who's going to be the number two, that if, if something happens to Quinn Ewers, who's going to come in and take over like Hudson Card did last year. And I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong, but to these eyes, Malik Murphy looked like in his second year in the Steve Sarkeesian offense, like he's starting to settle in. We know he's got a big arm. He can spin it. He threw two perfectly uh, delivered deep balls in a row. One was dropped. The other turned into a 79-yard touchdown. And he only got four series, Taylor, but he led his team on sustained drives on three of them. The last one was, you know, a failed uh, fourth and goal 
he did rifle a first and goal pass into a walk-on who dropped it. But um, I thought Malik Murphy was one of my big takeaways from the spring game. How about you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, we we had seen Malik Murphy very minimally, even in uh, the start of spring practice when we when the media was allowed to go into spring practice. He was not going through drills the first week because he had re-aggravated an injury. So he sat the first week out. They went on spring break. He stayed, as we reported here on the flagship podcast, he stayed behind um, for spring break to um, continue his rehab. And then we didn't really get to see any other live periods of spring practice since then. So he was somebody that Chip and I had been talking about as the guy we wanted to see. You know, he, um, I always like to joke, the most popular player on Texas roster, it seems every year is the backup quarterback or whoever is not the starting quarterback. And that was Malik Murphy, but he absolutely crushed it. I mean, you know, there's still, he's still very raw. He has a really high ceiling. He's a, um, you know, big arm talent, obviously, but I, I was really impressed with him. Um, and I think, I think that's a good thing. Cause remember, you know, we've, we've talked about this extensively and I, I feel for Arch Manning a little bit right now, honestly, because, he has some ex expectations that are following him that are really just not attainable expectations because of his last name. Um, however, you know, I think we, everybody that followed his recruitment that reads over at horns 24 seven, the plan has always been for him to not be the guy year one, like that, that would be a very debt, like the worst case scenario situation possible probably would be if Malik Murphy had to be the starting quarterback for Texas during the 2023 season. Or excuse me, uh, Arch Manning, um, not Malik Murphy, excuse me. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Malik Murphy showed it. You know, Steve Sarkeesian said that Quinn Ewers is obviously the guy, but he uh, wants these guys to continue to compete. And I think that this is probably one of the better quarterback rooms in recent history, especially that I've seen at Texas, um, probably going back to when, you know, Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle were on the roster in the 2018 season. But Malik Murphy was impressive. I mean, you have to give him a ton of credit. I think Quinn Ewers obviously is playing really well. He played really well, answered a lot of uh, people's questions, I think. I think you saw his footwork improve in the spring game. You know, he had a much quicker release and more purposeful, I think, when he was passing the football and not really, you know, opening his hips and leaning back like you'd see him a lot doing during his freshman season in 2022. So this is a good QB room, and Malik Murphy absolutely impressed for sure, Chip. Yeah. And we've talked about his big personality, his natural uh, leadership ability. He's got a an engaging personality that brings teammates in. He, you know, guys like him. They want to play for him. And that's that's a big step. I mean, Texas is we saw last year we've talked about the importance of having a, a number two quarterback who can come in and win games for you and Look, Malik Murphy's a work in progress. The first thing Steve Sarkeesian said after the spring game is for Malik Murphy to stay healthy. And that was his way of saying, look, man, for you to keep progressing, we got to have you on the field because mm -hmm. it wasn't just the, the ankle surgery after he broke his ankle in the state championship game. It was the, the scooter accident where he injured his wrist during the season last year. And, and then that, you know, weird injury right before spring football. So I think Steve Sarkeesian saying to Malik Murphy, Hey, we need you to, you know, treat your body like a professional, be ready, be, 
be available. You mm-hmm. can't make the club in the tub, that kind of thing. And and I'm sure Malik Murphy at 6'5", 235, probably thinks he's indestructible. <laughs> um, and we we know that's not the case. So right. it's, uh, I mean, it it w- I thought that was kind of interesting that Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, the top priority for Malik Murphy this summer and going into fall camp is to stay healthy. And um, so I think uh, everyone's going to be watching to see how much progress, how much more progress Malik Murphy can make. He needs to make a lot. Obviously that was a vanilla uh, situation. The 79 yard touchdown pass he threw was against a walk on defensive back. The pass was to John Tate cook, but the defender was a walk on um, all that. So, you know, but what we're hearing behind the scenes is that Malik Murphy is, is making plays that he's delivering the ball accurately. He's delivering it on time. He's been behind the second and third team offensive line. So there's still, uh, he, you know, was having to make decisions under duress during uh, spring football, but he did not get sacked in the spring game. Taylor, um, Quinn Ewers was sacked three times. Arch Manning was sacked four times. Blake Murphy was not sacked. Now a sack in the spring game is, is touch by a, a defender. So, um, you know, just some positives. If you're looking, that was the big question mark depth wise about this football team is okay. Who's the number two quarterback and Malik Murphy made a little bit of a statement. We know things can change. I always go back to the Colt McCoy, Jevin Sneed, spring game where Jevin Sneed outplayed Colt McCoy. And by the time they returned uh, from the summer for fall camp, all the players were telling Mac Brown, Oh, Colt McCoy. It's, it's, it's Colt McCoy. It's hands down. And it was. And so don't read too much into the spring game. That's why you subscribe to horns 24, com so that we can tell you what's going on during the summer workouts and who's actually progressing. But um, I, I thought that was was significant. What did you think of Quinn Ewers in the game, Taylor? I thought he did well. You know, I think I was looking a little bit more at his mechanics probably the most. So I wasn't necessarily focusing on everybody around him. I was, you know, I was um, talking to a longtime coach shortly after the spring game. And this coach commented about how improved his footwork was. And he said there were a lot of times last season, just like a lot of times you see any freshman quarterback, you know, they're, they, you know, open themselves up like this. They're not like really like intentful, purposeful with delivering the football, um, especially like deep ball passes. And I, I think that, I think Quinn Ewer's footwork looked better. Um, he, he still has to progress too, especially now with Malik Murphy having a pretty good game too you know, people are going to be like, well, is the quarterback competition open now, you know, and and they've got to keep that noise, I think, outside of the locker room as best as possible. But I was impressed with Quinn Ewers. I I think, I think he's getting a little bit overlooked, I would say um, a a bit or because Malik Murphy did play so well. I think people aren't really talking about Quinn Ewers as much, but I thought he, I thought he played well. I thought he looked good. He, uh, you know, was, pretty on target for the most part um, throughout the game from what I saw and what I was like looking at, but what, what was your thoughts on him? Yeah, I thought um, both Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy, a little bit of a slow start. Some of that was maybe the receivers, um, but, but then, you know, Quinn Ewers leads long sustained 
drives to points. He had the, uh, the, you know, the incredible catch by A.D. Mitchell. That oh, thir- yeah. That- <laughs> thir- 13 yard, um, you know, pass in the end zone. A.D. Mitchell with the just extender, uh, elastic arm uh, to, to pull that one down. But um, he also was the quarterback on the drive where Jaden Blue had the 31 yard touchdown run. Um, and, and he hit Xavier Worthy for a 46 yard. Uh, completion that set up the one yard touchdown run by CJ Baxter. So um, I thought Quinn Ewers settled in and, and looked good, looked in command. He was more outwardly verbal and even, you know, clapping encouragement to his teammates during this spring game. That's part of his new, uh, new look is, is to be more outwardly vocal and, you know, expressive with teammates and, and so I thought, you know, I've, I've been impressed with Quinn Ewers. I, I really have since the bowl game when he, he took accountability for, for thinking that he knew everything after the Oklahoma win and then realizing after the Oklahoma State loss that there was still a ton for him to learn. And then for him to say, uh, I felt like I let most of the fans down um, last season and and I'm working to make sure that doesn't happen again. I think again, it just shows this guy's accountable. He's he's out to to prove to himself, to everyone that he can be the quarterback he wants to be. I wrote about this some in the Insider a couple of weeks ago that Quinn Ewers was not happy about last season, and you know was telling people. Um, you know, basically that he's on a mission to, to change that. So that's, that's what you want to hear. And now you want to see it. And I thought we saw some of that in the, in the yeah. spring game. Yeah. I was going to say uh, him taking accountability and saying, acknowledging that he let the fans down. I don't think that should be overlooked by anybody. I think that because he has been so accountable because he was very open about what he needed to correct after his first year in 2022 And then he did correct from what we've seen so far. Obviously, he's still got to improve, but you saw the corrections being made. And I think you, your quarterback, you know, Quinn's a little bit different. He's not the raw, raw type, right? You know, he's, he, um, when we had his high school coach, Riley Dodge on the flagship podcast a while back, you know, he talked about that. He's a, a cool customer, you know, a little bit. And sometimes you wanted to see him get fired up more than he did, but I think the thing with Quinn is, you know, if you're the quarterback, especially at a place like Texas, you have to be accountable for, for what you're doing for, and for the team too. And there have been quarterbacks I've covered in the past that there wasn't a lot of accountability, you know, when, when there's a loss and a quarterback saying that he thought they played pretty well, I won't call out who this quarterback was, but there was one and I will never forget that. Cause I was like, wait a minute, y'all lost. Like you you touch the ball every single time on offense and you lost. And you said that you, Played well, like I didn't like that at all. And you want to hear the accountability from quarterbacks, and I think that should not be overlooked by any fans. Hearing that Quinn is taking full accountability, he and he's answering. You know, he's he's making the changes necessary, and you want to see that continue. And I think the better Malik Murphy gets, the better Quinn's going to get. Honestly, I, I really do. And so this is this is um a different, I'd say, scenario than what Texas has been at quarterback for the last several years. Yeah, and this is nothing against Arch Manning. And no, 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 not this at all. This is yeah. this is really about 
Steve Sarkeesian's offense. It is layered. It is verbose. Um, you know, he goes out of his way to make the same thing look different. And that involves all kinds of um, motions and, and shifts, usually using the tight ends to, to try to help determine if the defense is in man or zone. Uh, it, it's a lot. And, and I thought Steve Sarkeesian said it really well. There's a difference between knowing the play and knowing the concept behind the play and where his primary read should be, where his second read should be. It takes time. It it's, it's a lot. And that's why Steve Sarkeesian has said, I don't like playing first year quarterbacks. And now he's got Quinn Ewers in the second year in this offense. He's got Malik Murphy in the second year in this offense. Arch Manning is, is, drinking from a fire hose <laughs> and Steve Sarkeesian said it. And we saw it, the eyes drop, you know, when the rush comes for a young quarterback, the eyes drop and it's about where can I run to find safety? The eyes aren't staying downfield and anticipating, okay, I've got one more second to let go of this football before I get nailed. Yeah. And, and so when he did, drop his eyes and run. I thought he looked pretty athletic. <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot of people be like, wow, that might be the most like shifty Manning I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got some good feet. He's got some wheels on him, um, but he's a work in progress. And that's part of the reason, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's not going to talk about whether he's red shirting Arch Manning at this point. He doesn't have to decide. He can, he can play in four games. Um, and then Steve Sarkeesian can decide. Uh, but that this is what we've been talking about all along. There is a comfort level with Arch Manning and the Manning family that if he red shirts this year, that's okay. He's mm -hmm. coming from a private high school in New Orleans. It's it's produced some incredible talent, including his uncles there um, in in New Orleans. But it's it's not Power Five level football, and this is a Texas team, a defense he's going up against in practice that's expected to contend for the big 12 title. So this is, this is not, you know, this is a big jump is what I'm trying to say. And that's, yeah. that's normal. And Arch Manning's going to make a ton of progress over the summer into fall camp, but there's, there's not a pressing need for him uh, to be the guy on, right. on September 2nd against Rice. Um, and, and really Malik Murphy should be ahead because Steve Sarkeesian says it all the time, your second year in this offense, you typically make a big jump. So, okay, that's yeah. a lot of talk about the, the quarterback position. Well, well, real quick, real quick. Sorry, I have, to, I have to say this. Did you see the New York Post article about – how Arch Manning was outshined by his competition in the spring. I I just want to, I'm going to go on a little soapbox here and be like, the New York Post never needs to talk about Texas football, like ever. Like, what what are you doing? And it's like, y'all are just showing that you are just clickbaiting people to death with these type of headlines. Because if you've been paying attention, nobody was expecting Arch Manning to be the guy, especially after 14 spring practices and then shows in the spring game, like, give me a break. I couldn't, I saw that. And I was so cringe. I was just like, I feel bad for him. I mean, it, it, the man, that, and it also goes to show how big the Manning name is and how much weight it carries because 
the New York Post freaking writing about the third string quarterback at Texas is like, give me a freaking break. I was like, I seriously saw that and I was just like, gosh, that poor guy, like he has to put up with that. <laughs> but I don't know if you saw it, Chip, but I was just like, you got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous. <laughs> well, and that's part of the reason that Arch Manning liked Texas. He didn't have to go and be the savior. I mean, that mm -hmm. was, that was a, I was told that by the, you know, by sources close to the, to the Manning family, he didn't want to have to go somewhere where he would be considered the savior immediately. He wanted to go somewhere where he could learn and, you know, be in a room with other talented quarterbacks and, and grow and develop and then compete for the job. And so um, it, it's working in that direction right now. And I think Steve Sarkeesian uh, feels pretty good about what he saw from his quarterbacks this spring. And, and here's a, you know, comment from SD here uh, who's watching us on the YouTube uh, horns, 24 seven YouTube channel. Uh, I need to know that the passing game is going to be on point. We're going to need a potent passing attack to manufacture a consistent run game. And we're hearing this more and more that Texas could end up being a pass first offense, a, a passing team to set up the run until they know exactly what they have at the running back position. And I'm still very high on Jonathan Brooks. I, I wrote about it on Monday. Don't, don't forget about the guy you didn't see in the spring game. And that's Jonathan Brooks, because everything I'm hearing is that guy is starving uh, for his opportunity after spending two seasons behind B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. And, uh, and so, you know, we'll see, we'll see how Steve Sarkeesian handles it. And that's, that's going to be a big deal. We'll, we'll know in the first two games for sure. If Steve Sarkeesian thinks he can be a run first offense, or if he's going to have to throw the ball to set up the run and, um, and either way it, it's, we just kind of need to, to find that out. And can a running back carry this team at times, when when needed and yeah that's a question that we we really won't know until we're into the season yeah i see this question from cte 11 thoughts on the rb's post spring i think you know there's there's been a few uh, comments about the running backs the guy that is the the number one so far wasn't out there on the field so i think you know what you saw in the spring game from the running back room probably was not an accurate depiction of the current state of the running back room um, it was good to see Jaden Blue and to see CJ Baxter and to see Savion Red out there. But Jonathan Brooks is he's legit. I mean, this is a this kid is legit. And I think that the spring game did not necessarily show exactly what the running back game is going to look like at all. Um, you know, come week one of the season because Jonathan Brooks was not out there. So I think it's a little bit too hard to go all in on, you know, giving a full assessment of the running backs without Brooks on the field. What's your thoughts? Yeah. And, and SD followed up said, I'm telling you, this team is not going to run the ball. Great. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a concern. <laughs> it is a concern because how you formulate my biggest thing about whether you're a run first offense or a pass first is mindset. It's mm -hmm. mindset. It, if you're telling your players, especially your offensive line, we're going to run the football. We're going to be a great running team then you're preparing the minds of those players to, to fire off the ball and, and dominate the line of scrimmage. 
<clears throat> if you're telling them we're going to throw to set up the run and you don't, maybe you don't even verbally tell them that, but they can tell by the way the plays are being called. It's a totally different mindset. Talk to any offensive lineman, you know, when they're having to backpedal, uh, that's not their favorite thing to do. Now, if you have a great quarterback and you have great receivers and you're just lighting everybody up and everybody's open, great. Um, but, you know, for the most part, in, in the way that, you know, Sarkeesian had it at Alabama with Najee Harris, they ran the ball and then play action passed off of the running game. So right. and it, that is something that, that uh, I'm watching closely as well, SD. And we, we've got questions uh, from our horns 24 seven members, Taylor. Yeah, I got them all queued up here. So we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more coming up. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first one will be from David Hume, Horns 24-7 member. What position are you most concerned about heading into summer? Um, you know, I think I think in the secondary a little bit because um you're just you know you're waiting on Jalen Catalan, the Arkansas transfer, to find out uh if everything's gonna be great and he's gonna be able to to play in the season the way that Texas hopes he can play. He's obviously had some shoulder issues at Arkansas. They were being careful with him in the spring. Um, if he's on the field, that makes a big difference. Obviously we've heard great things about Keaton Crawford and, and his spring and how verbal he's been and how physical and how fast playing alongside Jaron Thompson. Um, but I saw some missed tackles in the spring game that kind of made me, eh. and I get it. You're, you're not going to light up your, your teammates, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Jaden blue sure was appreciative of some, some of those missed tackles. And well, John a Barron was in a green non-contact jerky yeah. Jersey. And he was one of the last defenders there that he did touch him. That technically would not have been a touchdown, but they still counted it a touchdown. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of a work in progress, but we're still, you know, those are some of the battles that are continuing on through the summer and into fall camp that were not decided in the spring, that field corner position where Terrence Brooks uh, and Gavin Holmes, the Wake Forest transfer, and Xavion Bryce are battling Malik Muhammad, uh, the freshman. And so I want to see how much more progress 
that can be made there. And then, you know, obviously Austin Jordan's been working at the nickel because Jalen Gilbo is still coming back from knee surgery. They're backing up Jade Barron. You just want to see that all come together uh, and, and make sure that, that this defense is solid front to back, right, right up the spine of the defense from the defensive tackles to Jalen Ford in the middle, um, you know, to your safeties. Uh, and, you know, it's not a huge concern, but it's a concern. And yeah, you know, how about you, Taylor? I would say, I agree with that. I would say safety. Um, you know, if Jalen Catalan returns from injury and plays like he did pre injury at Arkansas, you know, when he was an all American, uh, sec, all American, like this kid, I've said it before, he is talented enough where he he could be a one-and-done guy at Texas if he has a good season and stays healthy this next year. What I mean by that, he's draft eligible after this season when I say one-and-done. I know that's not really a football term, it's more basketball, but that's that's how high his ceiling is. That's what he brought or could bring you know, prior to his injury. So if that all plays out, then we're going to sound silly talking about safety being a position of concern. But without knowing right now, I would say that would be the the most concerning situation right now, I'd say, on this team. But I'm not fully in panic mode. Like, I'm not hitting the panic button, um, like, you know, jump in the portal, get more safety help right now. I think I think uh, it's just an unanswered question, right? And so I think that is fair to say that would be my biggest concern, too. Yeah. All right. We got another question. Yes. Any updates, Chip, I'll let you handle this one on adding offensive or defensive consultants like Gary Patterson last year from James B 17 horns, 24 seven member. Yeah, this is a little interesting. I thought we would have some information by now about, um, you know, who, who Steve Sarkeesian might be adding as far as special assistance uh, to his staff. Um, but he's, you know, taking his time uh, waiting to see, what's going on. Um, so, you know, Gary Patterson came down to watch practice during spring football, and then he drove back up to Fort Worth. So, you know, there's that possibility because Gary <laughs> said it. Yeah. That maybe, maybe he'll be bored and, and have spent enough time with his wife and grandkids or, okay, maybe not that, but maybe he'll <laughs> just miss football so much that he'll, ask Sarkeesian if he can come back in August. Uh, we'll see, but no, no real um, updates on that front. So stay tuned, James yeah. B-17. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so hard for coaches to turn it off. It really is. Um, and, you know, my father-in-law was a longtime coach too, and he will be the first one to say that, especially at the college level, when you've been coaching at such a high level of the game for your entire life, it's really tough to get out of that mindset. So I'm still kind of holding out for Gary Patterson. I feel like I'm like, okay, let's see how, I mean, when did he announce that? Wasn't it like February or something? It was before spring. I know that. So, yeah. so give him yeah. six months. He might be a back out there. I, I mean, he's already come down to watch practice, you know, exactly. He he's, he's watching film at home. Let's be real. No I'm kidding. <laughs> but and, and look, his impact, you know, everyone's like, Oh, what, how much impact, I think his biggest impact was that he was the one scouting opponents yeah. and coming up with 
a defensive game plan to hand over to the coaching staff for them, you know, to consider. And from what I'm told, they, they used it a lot because it's Gary Patterson. So the game planning part of it was rock solid and that's Mm -hmm. a big deal. That's a lot. That's um, from, you know, and look, Pete Kwiatkowski, that staff, they know how to game plan. Um, And a lot of times you're having your football analysts, uh, the guys, you know, like, you know, Nick Saban has at Alabama, his former coaches club up there. Um, You know, he's got those guys working in that direction and monitoring it while the position coaches are are grinding with the players and trying to get them developed. And so it is important to have a staff of, uh, you know, analysts, special assistants, whatever to help in that direction. And, and to me, that was the biggest impact that, that Gary made last year. So um, we'll see, we'll see if, if, if he comes back or if, if Steve Sarkeesian will uh, have to rely on his, you know, current crop of analysts to, to take care of that. Yeah. Um, this next one here from a horns 24 seven member, Mikey Gress six. Are you hearing of any guys on the roster that are contemplating a transfer that we would really want to keep? Um, I'm not big on talking personally talking about transfers that are not in the transfer portal yet. So if you want to say anything, Chip, feel free. I, I just, I don't really necessarily feel like it's fair to talk to, you know, assume at this point if their name is not in the portal personally yeah i'm not going to name any names i've heard one that i would think that texas would be um you know bummed if if he decided to get into the portal but it hasn't happened yet so uh let's see steve sarkeesian says that after the spring he sits down he talks to the to the roster uh, individually Individually, one-on-one let him know Okay, here's what you need to work on. Here's where we see you fitting in or not fitting in. And and so obviously there have been uh, guys who've entered the transfer portal. thought it was interesting that Jaden Alexis entered the transfer portal and caught a pass in the spring game. (laughs) Um, But Brennan Thompson, uh, the, you know, track speedster at receiver who who did uh, get on the field as a as a freshman is in the transfer portal. edge rusher Derek Brown who'd sort of been recruited over in linebacker Travell Johnson who'd sort of been recruited over not real surprising that those guys are in the portal at this point so and we should note that Texas is adding uh, Minnesota defensive tackle Trill Carter Uh, they've got a commitment from him out of the portal and this is significant because this is a guy who's played um, you know, the past three seasons, he's played in 32 games. He's, he's got 55 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, uh, four sacks, one interception. He's played on a defense that's been good against the run. The last two years at Minnesota, they gave up less than four yards per carry and ha- in back-to-back nine win seasons. So, you know, I'm told he wants to come where he can win a championship and feels like, this is that feels like Texas is uh, a good place for him. He's got at least two seasons of eligibility remaining six foot two, 300 pounds, primarily a three technique, which um, at Texas, they have you play 
a little bit of everything, the three technique, the two eye, the zero, the nose. Um, and so, you know, Trill Carter's probably played all those positions at Minnesota as well. But you, as a source told me, and I wrote about it today, you can't have enough of these guys. And right. part of the reason Trill Carter, I, I don't know if he was joking or not, said that he wanted out of Minnesota was the cold. Well, this <laughs> source I talked to said, I hope he loves the heat because yeah. <laughs> that's why we brought him here. You've got to rotate those big guys up front and, um, and he'll, he'll get into the rotation and it'll be hot. Yeah, for sure. I saw, um, from the horns 24 seven Facebook page, Raymond Smith had said transfer DT from Minnesota, just depth. I think, I mean, you need depth there, right? Like, cause you're exactly right. Those big guys, you want to rotate them as much as possible because it is hot. I mean, you even heard people when LSU played here claiming the AC didn't work in the visitor locker room, which I for sure know it did because I was on the field for it. It was CBS sports HQ before. And I was in their locker room before the team got there to cool off before I went onto the field. But the field was so hot that literally the bottoms of my shoes, I was like, I think they're melting right now. And they weren't like, cheap shoes. So depth, I, I don't know. If, what, what do you think? Do you think it's only a depth move or do you think this is the guys that uh, could start? I, I mean, I think it's a depth move for sure. I mean, I think Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat are your, your walkout starters. And, mm -hmm. and then it's a question of if how big Texas wants to go on the defensive line, would they play Alfred Collins at an end or Vernon Broughton at an end along with Baron Sorrell or, um, will they, you know, just play a three-man line with with Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, and Baron Sorrell, and then you know have a a linebacker, and I'll get into that here in a second. Uh, come off the edge like they did with Demarvin Overshone last season, and like we saw from Anthony Hill. Yeah, I saw somebody comment game. about him earlier. Chip, your reports on Ant Hill were correct. Kid is a Whoa. beast at multiple positions. <laughs> that dude, that dude is instinctive. Yeah. He he made a couple of plays in the spring game. I don't know how much people were paying attention because he knifed through the line um and and got a sack. Uh, but he also had an opportunity to make a play behind the line and just barely missed it. But he was he you know, you can tell he he got where he needed to go uh, and was like three or four yards in the backfield with a chance to make a play. He also, he's so about getting the football out that there was a play later in the game where he just tried to tackle the football instead of the player. And so, <laughs> you know, the guy and like Anthony Hill was looking at his hands afterwards, like, how did I not get that ball out of his hands? Yeah. <laughs> but this guy is, man, he's a, He's a playmaker, and I think they're really excited about him as a as a weak side linebacker at times, but also rushing the passer from that strong side. And I mean, everyone is talking about the plays this guy was making. So I think there's excitement about Anthony Hill. You know, Texas trying to improve their pass rush. Uh, obviously, Baron Sorrell is is a guy they're hoping can make that jump to become a double digit sack guy. He's gotten stronger. He's a leader. He wants it. But man, Anthony Hill is, he's a presence already. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm number yeah. zero. Yeah. He's a, 
was a five star for a reason, right? I mean, you know, with 24-7 sports, when you look at the way that ratings are, there's 32 five stars every year because of a projection that these are the type of players that could be 32 of the first picks in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, it's not necessarily a day one type of thing. It is a projection for where they would end up through development, through that, through that process when their time for the NFL comes. But this is a guy that came in, I, I think, I think Chip's man crush is spot on <laughs> there with him. Cause I think he's going to make, he's going to make an impact his first year. Yeah. No he's, he's a, he's a grown man and he gets it. You know, yeah. he gets the, he's not see ball hit ball. I mean, he's a guy who understands the defense. He understands his role in the defense, how things are supposed to be funneled. You can't just, you know, freelance and pick gaps. You got to, you got to get your job done within the scheme. And he, he understands that. So I think the coaches are trying to temper expectations, obviously, because they want this kid to grow and develop and all summer and into fall camp. But I think they're very excited about Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFau, who also made some plays in that spring game that you're like, okay, I see you. Yeah. I see you. Number 18. <laughs> um, and that's, that's a spirited competition right now. Uh -huh. When you look at David Benda, you look at Mo Blackwell, Leonga LaFau, Anthony Hill, they're, you know, they're pushing each other and that's, that's what you want. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm going to go to a question here from horns, 24, seven member D man, seven, two, five, nine, five. Um, if you missed it, Texas did, uh, put out some early renderings of the new practice facility. If you've been a member at horns, 24, seven, you have been hearing about this practice facility from chip Brown for the last, what, two, three years. I think that chip yeah. has been constantly reporting this and now, Everyone's like, oh, that's where the new practice facility is. Like, yeah, Horns 24-7 members knew that three years ago. But <laughs> D-Man72595, has there been any early feedback around the team on the early renderings of the new facility, especially around the younger players who might spend time there before leaving? Oh, I think everyone's excited about this because um, it's, it's huge. I mean, this yeah. is a perfect example of being aligned – as a university from the, from the regents chairman to the president, Jay Hartzell to Chris Del Conte, they wanted to get the practice facility closer to DKR. They are moving the school of social work to do so. Yeah. <laughs> to do so. And, and that's an older building. So it, it was time to upgrade that building and actually they're going to move into where the Macomb School of Business is right now on Speedway, when the Macomb School of Business moves in to their new building at where the Doby Mall used to be on Guadalupe. So it, it, it's a complicated process, but it's also one where they had to find a temporary home for the School of Social Work because School of Social Work won't be moving into that building on Speedway for another three plus years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this is going to be a gradual process They're, you know, they're probably not going to have it ready until the 25 season, unless something crazy happens, but, um, you know, who knows, maybe it gets expedited with the, the move to the sec, but, um, they're going to go underground to, if, if you, 
walk on campus, there's a hill. Yeah. From where the Moody Center is that kind of, you know, it, it grades down um, to the level where DKR is on the, on the uh, west side. Uh, and so they're going to go 60 feet, not, well, not fully 60 feet, but the roof line of the indoor practice facility will be the same as the basketball practice facility um, and the Moody Center because they will go, I think, 20 feet underground um, to make it look super clean and not clunky like some of these campus uh, indoor practice facilities you see where it's like, oh, my God, it's, it just you know takes over the, the skyline uh, of your athletic property. But a um, bubble. <laughs> yeah, a bubble. Oh, my God. 20 plus years that bubble has has served its purpose and then some time to pop. Yeah. Time to pop. <laughs> um, and the bubble is 45 feet high. So if that tells you, um, you know, they're adding another 15 feet, you can punt in there um, and, and actually, you know, work like a real football team. You'll have more space than, than in the bubble. Remember we couldn't, watch practices in there because the sideline is so tight to the edge of the bubble. There's, it's not safe. Yeah. There was Um, sometimes Mac Brown allowed us and Charlie strong allowed it, the media in if they had to practice in the bubble because of rain or whatever. Once Tom Herman got there, they're like, Nope, we're in the bubble, no media. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian's done the same. So yeah. 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 But it was tight. It was. I mean, it's a it's a safety hazard, not just to the media, but for the players, too. I mean, you don't need cameras out there for players to run straight into because they can't get out of the way because there's no sideline to get out of the way. So it makes sense. Yeah. I guess Mac and Charlie didn't care about us that much, I guess. (laughs) They probably wanted us to get hit. They're like, take him out, take him out. (laughs) Don't worry about those clowns over there. If you run out of bounds, just take them out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it'll be a $70 million facility and it you know you'll have your outdoor practice field um and it's what i don't know 100 100 yards from the south end of dkr once you walk past the the student rec center taylor yeah um easy walk for the for the players uh to go to practice and um and now now you've got your whole athletic uh complex right there uh, all pulled together. The Denius fields were over at uh, the corner of, of Red River and and Dean Keaton. And it it was a bit of a walk. I mean, and or, they took buses. And I was going to say, oh, or a bus trip over. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was always clunky. And from what I hear, they're going to let the, uh, I, don't, I, I think, the intramurals at Texas have, have those fields. Right now, intramurals are like way out at Whitaker. Yeah, um, like, like 55th, 50, 50, yeah, 51st in Guadalupe. So, 51st, yeah. so yeah, that there is excitement around that. And, and that, that's a big piece of the facility renovation that Chris Del Conte has wanted to get done, <laughs> but couldn't because they had to find a place for the school of social work. I'm sorry to laugh. I just saw a comment from Raymond Smith on the Facebook page. I don't know if I should say it. Oh, go ahead. Please, no uterus from Skyview. <laughs> yeah. 
the neuterus, as I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. In Good hindsight. Yeah. I like that personality there. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, there are probably two things they'd like to redo about the south end of DKR. Maybe the motorists and also allowing the fans who sit in those club seats to go downstairs and watch the team come out of the tunnel through those glass windows like they have at uh, Jerry World. Yeah. Because they want to be down there where they can see the players right up close instead of sitting in their seats and watching them, you know, run out like all the other fans. They're paying for this special privilege to be down in that bar. Uh, So they're never in their seats when they run out of the tunnel and it looks embarrassing on television. But yeah, television view, a lot of people are like, man, no one's at the game. It's like, no, they're just down on the field, basically. But those seats are cool. Um, My uncle and his wife, one of their friends has season tickets there, but they have like, I think they have like built in Yeti coolers that are like on the seats back there. I mean, there's you pay a pretty penny, I think, for those seats, but uh, they are pretty cool, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have it's you cool. seen those? Yeah. Yeah. Like the the Yeti coolers that there's in there and whatnot. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it's, our, it's cool. Swanky. Yeah. Fancy. It's very fancy. I know. I'm like, hey, uh, Uncle Pace, how uh, want to take me down there maybe <laughs> one time? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, if anyone has any uh, access, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sit and give you commentary during the game if you want to give us tickets there. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, this question here, Chip, from uh, – do you want a funny question or um... – Yeah, sure. Okay. From Everybody everybody wants a little uh, lighthearted <laughs> yeah. lunch J- humor. <laughs> JRay007, how much of the Kool-Aid are you drinking? Because from my view, it tastes sweet. Yeah, I mean, I keep looking for reasons to knock this team down, but – I think they're going to be the favorite to win the big 12 title. And I think they probably should be. I mean, your, your teams that were in the big 12 championship game last year, TCU, K state, both have a lot that they have to replace. Now their returning players are confident. They, they got there. K state won the big 12 title. Don't forget that TCU (laughs) played for the national championship, but they did not win the big 12 title. And, and so, you know, those programs are going to be looking to, to get back. Um, Texas Tech, everyone's talking about as a, as a team with a lot of returning talent that could be poised to make a, a jump similar to what TCU did last year. And Kansas, Kansas has a lot back from the team that started off 5-0 and and, um, and then, you know, trailed off toward the end. But Texas has the, has the talent. Um, Oklahoma is going to be better and they've got, you know, they've got a, a fifth year quarterback um, who knows what he's doing. And so Oklahoma's always going to be there, but I think this is Texas's year. You, you, you don't always, you know, you're not, you're not the, the, you're not the favorite every year. Now Texas needs to get to that point. Um, but I'm not telling Texas fans anything new. They're, they've got battered fan syndrome. Every time they thought the program was, you know, getting on that uptick, it, you know, would hit a snag. And I think this is definitely an uptick year 
And I think these players believe it. Now we'll we'll see. They got to go. They got that Alabama game sitting there September 9th in Tuscaloosa. That'll have their attention all offseason. So, um, I mean, I they got to get better. But, yeah, there's some Kool-Aid out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, when Chip said, you know, you want to find something to kind of knock this team, it's not because we're trying to be, like, negative or anything like that. I think it's just – we're used to it not, fall, you know, any any hype seemed to be kind of deflated, you know, like they're about to do to the bubble. But yeah, I think, I agree. I think that it's hard to find something really, really alarming about this team. I've never said that. And I've, you know, I've said on the flagship podcast before, and I'll continue to say it. In my career covering Texas, I have never been confident or bold enough and I'm glad I wasn't to do this to ever say that Texas should be contending for a big 12 title um you know they they proved that wrong in 2018 when they played against Oklahoma in the big 12 championship game but still didn't win it you know this is the it's hard for me not to say that this is the year that Texas is going to play for and possibly win a big 12 title and I've never said that and you know I don't know how many I think I've been on the beat 11 seasons and that's never come out of my mouth for a reason and now I, I do feel confident in that. So I guess we're we're uh, guzzling that Kool-Aid right now, Chip. Uh, surprised our skin tone hasn't changed orange, I guess. But yeah. Well, I mean, there, there aren't many years where um, Texas has beaten Oklahoma, not to mention 49 to nothing. Yeah, yeah. And Oklahoma had no doubt carried the flag for the Big 12 for the past decade while Texas was off you know, firing coaches, hiring coaches, firing coaches, hiring coaches, and, you know, acting like a turnstile. And so, you know, now Texas has um, gotten over on Oklahoma, which had a significant coaching change, a surprise uh, when Lincoln Riley left to go to USC. And, and so, you know, I've said it here before, Steve Sarkeesian was hired in part by Texas to match wits with Lincoln Riley and, Lincoln Riley's gone and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, uh, lost to Lincoln Riley in a heartbreaker two years ago and absolutely throttled Brent Venables last year. And, and I don't know what's going on at Oklahoma state. I mean, they're still losing guys to the portal. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just think it's shaping up for, for Texas for sure. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Oklahoma, this question here from Horns 24-7 member Liberty Horn, way too early thoughts about the Bama and OU games and how Texas is matching up there. Well, I think Texas showed last year that even, you know, with Bryce Young at quarterback, that they could go toe-to-toe with with the Crimson Tide. And I think Steve Sarkeesian feels confident about um, – he still knows some of the personnel there. And – I think Texas will be confident going to Tuscaloosa. Is it Jalen Milrow at quarterback, the former Texas commit, who's not nearly the passer that Bryce Young was? Um, He's more of a guy who beat teams with his legs last year. He's got a lot of improvement to make. But I think Texas has the the guys in the trenches to compete um, with with Alabama. And that's that's saying a lot. And – and so, I mean, when look, Will Anderson, I mean, a true freshman shut down Will Anderson pretty much in that game this past year, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. That true freshman's a beast Kelvin, of a sophomore this year now, Kelvin Banks. Yeah. Yeah. And Kelvin Banks is back and 
Will Anderson's going to the NFL. So um, I, I think I expect Texas to be very competitive in that game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on what we saw last year with, with better talent um, and look, Alabama's always got dudes, yeah. but I think, I think Texas will be competitive in that game and have a chance to win it. So um, I, I think this is a, this is a prove it year for Texas. They got to prove that they're a program that's ready to, to get on the big boy level. Um, yeah. You look at the preseason rankings, it's Ohio state, Alabama, um, LSU, but Texas is in a lot of people's top five. So now yeah. they got to prove it. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And you know, um, that's week two of the season. So you're going to learn, I think a lot early on. It, it also probably helps, you know, that Sark and his coaches had some familiarity with that roster that Alabama had last year. They will have some still, I think a little bit going into this year, not as much as last year, but yeah, I think, I think Texas, I mean, Texas was one point away from, or two points away from beating Alabama last year. And at the time, Alabama was the number one team in the country. So they were in Texas was not even ranked. I don't think like, I mean, right. Didn't they like jump into the rankings after losing to Alabama like that? That goes to show what people think about Alabama and how impressive Texas was in that game to go from, you know, one and one record unranked to being ranked in the top 25 after a loss. So I agree. Well, I think, and I don't know about OU. I, I'm, I'm like, OU's in that weird year where I feel like no one's talking about them. And I haven't even looked into it really either. And so I don't, I don't know what to think about that, but Sark knew what he did last year, was doing last year against OU. So I don't know. I think they can be competitive for sure in both. Yeah. And, and how about some love for, for Burt Auburn? He had two kicks that were phenomenal that ended up not, mattering or factoring into a win you know he kicked the 49 yarder against Alabama with 129 left to put Texas up uh what 19 to 17 yeah I think so and and then he had that 48 yarder at Texas Tech to force overtime so um like right at the his time expired so you know give some love to Bert Auburn because he he showed you he can he can come through and and clutch situations and he didn't get credit for those um, because Texas ended up losing those games but um, you know people asked what are you concerned about special teams well I think Bert Auburn showed you in those two games that he can get it done and I asked Steve Sarkeesian about his punter who's not even on campus yet Ryan Sanborn from Stanford. He's like, I've watched him punt the last four years. He's we're fine. We're good. Yeah. So. And yeah. he has one of the best special teams coaches in college football. Also leading that unit as well. in Jeff Banks. Um, and Xavier Worthy still looks like he's the punt returner. Jordan Whittington backing him up. And then you saw Jaden Blue mm-hmm. uh, taking over Roshan Johnson back there on on uh, kickoff return. So yeah. Jaden Blue. Something to watch for sure. All right. This one, I think this is one of our last questions actually from Horns 24-7 members here from um, Horns 24-7 member Ramos OC88. Do you think, 
Well, I think I'm cut off part of this question, but hold on. Uh, sorry about that. I don't know what he's talking about right there. Just give me one second. Sorry about this, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, when you when you look at Derek Williams coming in, and I've I've talked about Derek Williams. Uh, the kid's nickname is the Raptor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to have to catch up quickly. And safety is a tough position to master as a freshman because you're part of the communication. Um, You're one of the biggest parts of the communication of the back end of the defense. And it takes a special dude to come in and be able to command that kind of presence and, and earn your teammates respect because a lot of stuff you're making split second decisions about, Okay, you know, they just motion that guy. Are you taking him? I'll take the deep third. Um, and so while I'm excited about Derek Williams, I don't know that, you know, he's going to be an impact guy right at the start of the season. Um, you know, Taylor said it right. Jalen Catalan is the guy. I mean, Jaron Thompson even said, I've learned a lot from Jalen Catalan and, you know, just talking to him. So mm-hmm. um, Catalan, if he's, if he's right physically, this guy is, is an instant impact guy. Yes. And, and Keaton Crawford gives you depth and, you know, Michael Taff is, is a guy that played some last year at that position. Uh, and you saw some plays made by BJ Allen. I, I thought that was exciting because BJ Allen's a guy who we've kind of consistently heard is behind Larry Turner Gooden. Mm-hmm. Um, but BJ Allen made some plays this spring. He had a big force fumble early in spring in a scrimmage against uh, CJ Baxter. Uh, he had some, some good plays in the spring game. He's a, he's a physical presence. He looks good. And, and so, you know, the light bulb goes on at different times for guys. I always think back to Brandon Jones, you know, he, he wasn't great as a freshman. He was, better as a sophomore he was all world as a junior yeah and and it takes time and brandon jones was a five-star guy so you just have to keep bringing them along and and you know they have to keep getting more and more comfortable with their teammates as they communicate in the back end of that defense and having jody baron back there is big right because that dude has so much confidence and he is smart and instinctive yeah, and that's what the question was asking. Do you think BJ Allen will be part of the rotation this year? Sorry for messing that part up. <laughs> I didn't include the first part of it, but yeah. yeah and, I, and I think he's coming, and that's what you want to see because Catalan, you know, he he could be moving on. You never know, but you got to have the next wave. When you become an elite program, you replace all conference players with all conference players, and and that's been. Um, you know, that's everyone's watching to see, can Texas hold on to all this talent? Are guys willing to be paid, willing to be patient? And that's what the magic has been for Nick Saban at Alabama, for Ryan Day at Ohio State, for Dabo Sweeney at at Clemson is guys are willing to wait their turn because they know they're going to be going to the college football playoff and have a chance to win a national championship. And they're, and those schools get players drafted and that's what Sarkeesian's trying to change right now at Texas. And he's holding on to his talent. And, and that's, 
that's the first step, man. You gotta, you gotta have, I say it all the time. You gotta have talent like planes on a runway at O'Hare airport, just ready to step in and show everybody that they're the next all conference player at their position. Yeah. That's why it's so important to stack top recruiting classes. It's not just one. It's not just two. It's not just three. You a lot of times need four back-to-back years. And by the time year four comes around, those guys that were in that first one, if they're still on the roster, are the ones that are competing for championships. And that's why Nick Saban has been so successful at that. And I mean, look at Georgia even. I mean, it took Georgia a while to finally start winning national championships because they had to build those classes. It's harder to build those classes right now with the transfer portal and how easy it is for players to leave. And I think Steve Sarkeesian and his staff get a ton of credit. I think they're probably the top in college football right now with holding on to the talent that they want to hold on to. Um, I, I don't think I, – I, I mean, even A.D. Mitchell, for instance, left Georgia to come to Texas. That was an – just phenomenal catch. I know some people say that Quinn overthrew him. I mean, you have to throw high in, in the back of the end zone when a guy is going towards the back of the end zone. And he came down with that. I don't care if it wasn't perfectly placed. It was a catchable ball. And he came down with that type of catch. I mean, that's a guy that played for and scored touchdowns in the national championship game. And Georgia couldn't hold on to him. And now he's at Texas. So the staff is doing something right. We'll say that. Like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. People are they're They're, they're selling the Kool-Aid. And the top players are drinking it and sticking with it. And that's huge. Absolutely huge. Yep. They're selling the vision of come here and help put us over the top. Um, we're close. And and they're getting guys like A.D. Mitchell and um, Quinn Ewers out of the portal. And um, Ryan Watts. Uh, Ryan Watts. Gavin Ohio Holmes. State. Yeah. You know, Isaiah Nair. I mean, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't seen Isaiah Nair, but this dude – is a is a player. I mean, mm. Texas is going to be loaded at receiver. There's a reason Brennan Thompson and and Jaden Alexis are in the portal because, um, you know, you got Isaiah Nair, you got Ad Mitchell, you got Xavier Worthy, you've got Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore. Uh, those guys are going to just keep getting better, and and they want to play with Quinn Ewers, with Malik Murphy, with Arch Manning. Uh, and they know that they got, you know, top flight quarterback play, throwing them the football. That's what receivers want. That's when Texas landed, um, you know, BJ Johnson and Roy Williams and Sloan Thomas when they knew Chris Sims was coming and and Chance Mock was here and they had dudes who could throw them the football. And of course, Vince Young <laughs> ended up leading the nation in pass efficiency in his final season at Texas as a junior. So um, yeah, you players want to play with players. They want to, yeah. they want to be around the talent in Texas is, is getting that done right now. Yeah. They're building that talent for sure. Um, well, last one here. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'll just get to it real quick. Chip um, from horns 24 seven member 64 Corvette. I read it being reported when Arch Manning committed to Texas that his family wanted him to redshirt. Was that the case? And if so, is it still the case? Yes. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you don't want to have to force a guy in mm -hmm. and have him go under the, the glare of that microscope when he's not ready. And so, yeah. you know, by coming to Texas, Arch Manning gets time to get into this system and learn it and then compete 
And so I think the Mannings are ecstatic about what, what's going on here. And, you know, we'll see. We always talked about the, the hypothetical, if Quinn Ewers, you know, lights it up in 2023 and becomes the hottest quarterback in the, you know, draft eligible quarterback, which he would be draft eligible after this season, then, you know, then Arch Manning steps in maybe in 24, uh, Malik Murphy is in that conversation. So yeah, he's going to have something to say about that too. Yeah. I mean, Arch Manning's got to beat out Malik Murphy right now to be the number two quarterback for Texas. And I'm not right. sure that's going to happen in, in 23. So, and but that there's no mean rush. That, exactly. And that does not mean that Arch Manning is a bust or anything no. like that. I mean, when, again, going back to the way that 24 seven handles five-star ratings, they give it out on a projection of where they will be as a future draft pick. That is why if you look at any recruit profile, it will say NFL draft projection and list rounds. And the five stars are one round one round two. It's a projection. It's not a, he's a five star. He's going to be this day one. The minute he steps on campus after 14 practices in the spring game, it's not that it's a projection for it. And the Manning family of all families that understand it, the Mannings fully understand that. Yeah. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. We're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more, plenty more football talk coming up in love it or leave it. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer. Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. You ready for my first one? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Love it or leave it. The position you're concerned about most following the spring game is running back. I'm going to leave this, um, you know, my concern probably regarding the running back is more about Steve Sarkeesian's belief <laughs> in the running game. And is Texas going to be a run first play action offense? Or are they going to be a pass first to set up the run uh, kind of offense? But my, the position I'm most concerned about um, is probably safety and, yeah. you know, just kind of, providing that last line of defense for the, for this football team. Um, just waiting to see what Jalen Catalan can bring to this team. And, um, you know, Jaron Thompson needs to keep getting better and, and Keaton Crawford taking a big step this spring is, is big. And then Derek Williams coming in. You've also got, um, Oh heck. Um, the, Two freshmen who will also be coming in. Um, what uh, Roberson and and uh, yeah, Warren Roberson and um, oh my gosh, who is oh the for Gary Patterson at TCU. I can't believe I don't. I'm sorry, I'm looking real quick. <laughs> I have to look at <laughs> um, Jelani McDonald, yeah, Jelani McDonald. That's right. Uh, you know, those guys coming in, they're big time players. I mean. 
Gary Patterson told me, keep an eye on Jelani McDonald because his dad was fierce uh, as a player. And so there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of talent. It's just how does it all come together uh, going into the 2023 season? Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, going to leave this. I think it's without Jonathan Brooks on the field, it's really difficult to see what the running back room is going to look like. And I, I agree with what you said about Sark. You know, I mean, how he calls the offense is going to be more of not necessarily a concern, just an unknown, you know, with um, him pointing to the fact. And I don't know if this is Sark's alluding to what he thinks the running back room is going to be this year, but the fact, you know, he's brought up the that he's had a thousand yard rusher every single yeah. season that he's been an offensive play caller. So does he think that guy is on there? Is he okay? If it's a running back by committee, that's going to be something we haven't really seen from Sark yet. So that would be more, I wouldn't even say, I don't think it's a concern though. I think it's just more a question of how it's going to be maneuvered more so than anything. So I'm going to leave it too. And as we said earlier, yes, think safety is more of the biggest question of concern or position of concern right now. Um, but it's all dependent on the health of, um, of, uh, Catalan. So. All right. Mercury. Love it Second or leave it. Point. Number two. Love it or leave it. The defensive player who stood out the most in the spring game was linebacker David Benda, who had eight tackles, including a sack. Okay. I'm happy for David Benda. He was active. He was making stuff happen, but Anthony Hill people, I'm telling you. This dude is going to be fierce. Anthony Hill's the one who grabbed my attention. And some of it, you didn't even really, you had to really be looking for zero. Like go back and watch the spring game and watch zero on, you know, plays that were to his side of the field because he was always in the mix. And I don't want to build this guy up too much, but um, I'm I'm going to leave this, no offense to David Benda, because Texas needs him to be um, a big-time player at that weak side linebacker position. But guy who stood out to me, <laughs> Anthony Hill. Taylor, how about you? You know how much I hate agreeing with you um, on <laughs> everything, but I agree. I think and it's easy also, I think, for us to be looking for Anthony Hill a little bit more than some of the um, the returning guys because we haven't seen him in live action. We've seen him in practice, but we don't see scrimmages, you know. So this was our first opportunity to see these guys in full pads going full speed, um, both sides of the ball against one another. So I, I'm going to leave it. No offense to David Benda. I totally agree with what you say. He needs to come on. Um, but Anthony Hill is just one that is hard. When you're looking for it already, then it's really hard not to point to him being somebody that stood out the most, especially when he played as well as he did. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it too. Yeah, he's gonna be coming off the edge, folks. Um, and you know, everyone's like, oh, who's gonna be the guy opposite Baron Sorrell? Is it Ethan Burke? Is it you know Justice Finkley, Colton Vaz? Uh, <laughs> number zero. Yeah. Don't you worry. Yeah, for sure. All right. Love it or leave and, it, number three. And this is a good comment here from David Williams on the YouTube channel. You know, uh, Brian, BJ Allen, Brian Allen, uh, Adonai Mitchell, and most important, Malik Murphy stood out the most to them. Defensively, yeah, I think BJ Allen had a good game too. He was around the football a lot. Um, 
I just wasn't really looking for him. <laughs> like, I'll just be honest. I wasn't really looking for him. So uh, I did see him, obviously, because he was around a lot of the plays. But Anthony Hill, bringing that five-star mentality and putting it up on the field, too, is a good thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And BJ <laughs> Allen, number seven. He had a good spring. He definitely yeah, did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. All right. Final one for you. Love it or leave it. Texas has a number two quarterback who can come in and win games after seeing Malik Murphy in the spring game. I mean, I, I don't know if I can love this just yet, um, but it sure looks like they have the makings of a number mm -hmm. two quarterback and come in and win games. He looked great in the spring game. We mentioned that, but there, you know, obviously it was the spring game. He's throwing a 79 yard touchdown pass to a receiver who's being covered by a walk on no offense to the walk on, but that's not what you're going to see against Alabama. The, no. the good, the good news is Malik Murphy is so confident in his own abilities and he is driven. I mean, this guy, um, he wants to be great. And I think he kind of loves the fact that no one's talking about him. You know, it's all Quinn Ewers, it's all Arch Manning and Malik Murphy's like, I'm learning from Steve Sarkeesian and I'm going to get better and yeah. I'm bigger and stronger than those dudes. So don't sleep on me. Um, I mean, if I'm the Kool-Aid drinker, if I'm the just jumping on the bandwagon, I would, I would love this. I'm going to leave it just for the sole purposes that I haven't seen Malik Murphy in a game yet. Right. And how he handles game action. But man, it looks like Texas is headed in that direction with Malik Murphy. Taylor, yeah. how about you? I mean, I'm kind of torn a little bit because I think Malik Murphy, depending on the game, right? Who, who are we talking about them playing? If you're talking about Rice. Yeah, maybe so. You know yeah, what I sure. mean? If you're talking Good about point. Alabama, I don't know. Um, and so that's where I'm a little torn. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to leave it just for the – if we're talking about any game on the schedule, I think you have to leave it. Because I honestly – I think that's putting a little bit too much pressure even more so on him at this point after a limited amount. I mean, you guys have to remember Malik Murphy, while he was on campus his whole true freshman season – was an early enrollee he was not in practice so this spring and he missed the first week of spring practice this year so he's his um he's very 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 green I liked what I saw from him I really did I, I I've been wanting to see that big arm that we've heard all about I wanted to see the ceiling that the recruiting analysts that covered him in high school out in California saw from him on a consistent basis you know obviously they had said even he was raw you know at high school he was a little bit behind developmentally but the ceiling is so high and I think just his his stature speaks for himself I mean he is all of six five if not taller um he's a big kid and so but I think it's too soon to say any game on the schedule he can come in and win it just after seeing one spring game. So I'm going to have to leave it too. But it's not I, – I think I think he could come in against some of the games on the schedule and win those games for Texas if he's called upon too. So it's just um, – blanketly, I, I would say it's not fair right now to say 100% love it, you know, as much as I want to because I've been wanting to see him for so long and I'm like I'm really excited to see – him continue to develop. I just don't want to put added pressure on him at this point. So yeah. I'm going to leave it as well. 
Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating he's a fascinating figure in this storyline because mm-hmm. he is I mean, his personality and his ability to lead reminds me a little bit of Vince Young. Not they are so different from a talent yeah. standpoint, but from their personality and the way that they just carry themselves around their teammates, that does remind me a little bit. Vince was the guy playing the, you know, playing, you know, the hip hop music and mystical and making sure that the music was blaring out into the tunnel, of the cotton bowl. So Oklahoma could hear it and see them dancing, you know, when Oklahoma had to go out first in 2005, that's, that's the kind of swag Malik Murphy has. So mm-hmm. that's the part that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, Malik Murphy's going to run for t- 200 no, yards yeah. <laughs> that's never gonna happen um yeah not under Steve Sarkeesian so no but and e- even under probably any coach that's not that's not his strength you know yeah. he's a pro style quarterback not a dual threat like um Vince Young physically I could see you know like just like how their build is too the size wise but yeah they're two totally polar opposite but I agree I think the personality he's got everyone's drawn to just like Vince was um they have a lot of that like as you said swag like their swagger is something that is contagious, I think, for guys that they're around. Yeah. Guys feel like, hey, man, we got this guy on our side. We're going to go win. And, yeah. and that's it's hard to find guys doing like it. that. Yeah. And we're going to have fun doing it, too. So that's yeah. a, yeah. We're going to tell you what play we're running and see if you can stop it. <laughs> yeah. Because Vince did that a lot. <laughs> yeah. We're running right there. We're running right there. Okay. Yeah. Can you stop it? Yeah. Fill that gap. I dare you. <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks uh, to everybody for tuning in to this live episode of the flagship podcast, recapping Texas spring football. Of course, football season never ends at horns 247com So if you're not an annual subscriber, let's get going. Let's, we got a lot of summer workouts and, and fall camp to get into before the season. So make sure that you are locked in over at horns247.com and make sure that you're subscribed to the horns247 YouTube channel. Just hit that subscribe button right there. And, uh, and we'll do this, we'll do this more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah that's, that's what we do. <laughs> so for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks again so much for listening to and watching the flagship podcast until next time. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.